the whole value proposition of what I do at Local Logic is really uh, making investment decisions and market selection more data driven in commercial real estate. Um, so that seems like a really kind of direct, you know, uh, connection there. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast, the podcast dedicated to simplifying the commercial real estate industry for the masses. Each week, we sit down with industry experts to dissect the many facets of commercial real estate and extract valuable lessons you can apply to your business. Whether you're a new or seasoned business owner or investor, the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast will be your go-to resource for all your commercial real estate needs. Now, here are your hosts, Rafael Collazo and Jeff Walston. Hey, Sarah. Good afternoon. Good to see you this afternoon. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Oz, of course. And and you're tuning in from Atlanta. Is that correct? That's right. I am down here in Atlanta. Awesome. Yeah, you're not too far away. That's about a seven hour, a seven hour drive for us. Uh, I've been to the airport many, many times. My fiance has <laughs> actually been down to Atlanta several times to see some friends, but I have yet to explore Atlanta. So I'm looking forward to one day getting on there and to be able to, you know, take in all the sights and sounds of the city. Yeah, we're we're growing fast. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Oh, I will. No, no, there's no excuse. And obviously now that, you know, my, my goal in 2023 is to start getting more involved in the circuit, uh, the conference circuit for different, uh, you know, types of conferences. I, I've been to the CRE tech conference. I've been to some of these other conferences as well, which I know you spoke or you were, I think you did spoke at the, the conference this year, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's a, that was a great conference. And we've had Michael Beckerman on the, the podcast twice oh, nice. as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's able to share a lot of great insights, but you know, we're really honored to have you. I, you have a very robust background of a variety of different capacities that you've operated in. So we're really excited to kind of dive into your story. So one of the things I was kind of curious about is, you know, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, I think that'd be helpful because it's always nice to kind of get a context to the person we're interviewing. Uh, sure. Do you want me to start kind of at the beginning or? Yeah, just yeah. to provide context because, you know, it's really interesting to see, you know, the, the, how people get into the business and the industry mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I'm an engineer by trade. I got into the brokerage side through software engineering. And then there's people that have gone in from a variety of different backgrounds. So it's kind of one, interesting to hear, you know, people's stories and what led them to the, the yeah. getting into the space. I think that um, I've just, always been like an architecture and real estate nerd pretty much my whole life. Like I was the kid, you know, building cities with Legos. So this has kind of been just a, a lifelong evolution. And, um, I studied architecture and urban design at NYU. I worked in construction management for a while, got my MBA at Yale, and then, um, ended up doing some economic development work, which I think of as sort of like the public side of, of real estate development. And, uh, then made my way into commercial real estate, doing site selection and uh, some workplace strategy, a lot of just different types of consulting um, at some pretty big brokerages, and then made the switch into prop tech. And so now I'm at Local Logic, and really just leveraging so many different aspects of my kind of eclectic background, as you mentioned, um, in my current work. But I think it's super helpful to have that real world experience when you're, um, you know, kind of being the bridge between tech and real estate. Absolutely. So uh, kind of curious, just because I, I come from an IT tech background, but also from a consulting background. So I was mm-hmm. an IT consulting. What what type of, I guess, skills and benefits did you acquire over your period of time in that in those capacities that you now apply to what you're doing today? Um, I think that, you know, working in economic development, I 
really relied on a lot of different data sources to determine sort of where we were going to invest and what kinds of um, industry clusters and ecosystems that we were trying to build in different cities throughout the Southwest. Um, and so that really comes into play now where the whole value proposition of what I do at Local Logic is really uh, making investment decisions and market selection more data-driven in commercial real estate. Um, so that seems like a really kind of direct, you know, uh, connection there. But then working in commercial real estate and thinking about, you know, we kind of were chatting before just about um, site selection on the office side. And again, there's so much data that goes into that, understanding where the employees you need are, you know, where they're living, what kinds of, I, I was always sort of, I think, ahead of the curve in thinking about culture fit, not just making sure that you were getting the um, salary rates and, you know, things like that, that are sort of like bare bones site selection, um, those boxes checked. So I think that overall, the thing that kind of ties all the random things that I've done together is just thinking about that, like human experience of place and how there's just a myriad of decisions that we're making in the things that we're building, whether that's you know, at more of an urban design, urban planning level down to the asset itself. So um, I think there's a lot of connections that just happen organically almost every day. Oh, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. And 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 obviously you had referenced some of the experiences you've had from the site selection process. And I think that's going to lend itself well to what you're doing, obviously, in your current role with local logic. So one of the things I'm kind of curious about is, you know, obviously our, our audience is a wide variety of individuals. We have brokers, we have construction managers, we have you know tech, techs, uh, entrepreneurs in the commercial real estate space. So, mm-hmm. obviously, the solution that you're 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 offering is local logic. Could you kind of explain what exactly that is, and maybe also explain maybe the value proposition of the, of the software itself? So, local logic is using data to quantify everything outside the four walls of the asset. So, we have these proprietary location scores in addition to hundreds of other uh, location attributes. And when I say everything outside the four walls, that's really what I mean. I like to say, um, you know, there's a lot of boots on the ground in real estate and we're not necessarily replacing that, but we're allowing you to augment that. And if you think about the whole ecosystem, all those things you're taking in when you are standing in a place physically, we actually have data points to quantify all of that. So it really, I think as we start to move to making decisions at scale and very quickly, and you start to see uh, more institutional investment in things like uh, single family rental, it's just not possible to operate and make those investments without using data to augment that process. Oh, absolutely. So you, you had alluded to one of the, the functions, which you know is uh, from an institutional level, the single family rentals. I guess as far as the site selection process is concerned, can mm-hmm. you kind of elaborate a little bit on you know, some of the data points that you guys do compile and how that can apply to retail office, maybe some of these other property types, because, you know, like you said, I mean, there's different, there's different needs for different types of uses. Absolutely. And we are asset class agnostic, you know, I think location, location, location applies to all different forms of real estate. Um, So we can actually do two different sides of things. We can, we have these really cool heat maps, which are what kind of drew me in at the beginning um, where you can actually understand the performance of your portfolio and start to recreate and find lookalike submarkets, markets markets all throughout the US and Canada using a heat map to actually map those attributes. And and you start to see exactly where you need to be dialing in to find new opportunities. The other side of that is okay, you have a new 
a new opportunity that you want to assess. And now you have all of these different location attributes that you can really compare you know, either to comps or to your other portfolio and, and understand like, does this really match what I know uh, is going to mean a successful asset for me, a successful investment for me? So it's really sort of, um, you know, I guess new market selection, but also uh, at that acquisition stage as well. Absolutely. So, so as an example, let's say that, you know, you're representing, like I'm working right now with a, a, a development manager for Circle K. So we're looking at sites mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. And obviously each individual C store is going to have specific criteria that they look for when they're identifying sites. So in that, in that situation, you know, some of the criteria they may look for are traffic counts. They may look at, you know, what location or what corner they're on, depending on if it's going to work or going from work, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So does it get that granular when it comes to that, oh, that yes. sort of thing? Okay. And I, I, I nerdily got chills as you, as you said that, cause I'm like, Oh, I, they have a massive portfolio. Yeah. Um, so I think what's really cool is I, sometimes people have like a gut feel about where they need to be, you know? Yeah. Um, and what's cool is when you start to run regressions and do that, that data analytics on the portfolio itself with all these different characteristics, there might be things that are a surprise to you that are actually really driving success. And so being able to identify that in a really data-driven way, yeah, it might be, you know, um, one corner versus another because people are coming from work or it's that certain time of day and they need to go in and get coffee. But it might also be things like that you don't even realize, like you need to be close to certain types of schools because people are dropping the kids off and then getting coffee and going to work or, you know, all these different things that you just don't know until you start getting into the data. It could be demographic information. Um, it could be, you know, that you're that much closer to access to a certain type of highway. So that's all the kinds of stuff that we can get into. That's awesome. And then as far as the the sources for data, you know, obviously there's public data and then there's, I'm assuming other sources that you can generate, you, you pull from, or how does that typically work as well? Yeah, we have, uh, I guess you could say about four different large bucket sources. There's open source data that we're cleaning and normalizing and making actionable. There's our partnership data. Um, which might be, you know, things like climate risk data or crime statistics. We're, we're partnering with uh, groups for that. We are also, you know, purchasing data, going through a really robust process to, to decide who those providers are going to be. Um, and then we actually got started on home search sites. We have really massive market share. I don't think people realize that, like, especially in Canada, almost everyone has interacted with us in some way. In the U.S., we've got about 50% market share. And it's really like allowing home searchers to interact with lifestyle choices. Anyway, we're collecting a lot of information as well. That data exhaust on what people are looking for where. And it's really fascinating to kind of see all that mapped out. And especially over the last few years, just the way people's lifestyles have changed. And it's really reflected in the data of what they're looking for and where they're going to live. Absolutely. And that impacts obviously commercial needs as well. Cause I mean, my mm -hmm. clients have shifted, you know, I mean, I've only been in the business for a couple of years now, but, but even pre COVID, you know, the, the things that people were demanding as far as space needs was concerned, especially on the retail side yeah. have been shifted a slightly. And nowadays like the, the drive-through is King and, and obviously drive-through before was, was very much a, a prime, uh, a prime, prime, uh, piece of the puzzle. But nowadays it's like, it's even more amplified and that's obviously consumer trends that have changed as a result of what's gone on over the last several years. So, yeah, I mean, people you know. moving within markets and then um, still expecting certain types of services and amenities that they had when they were in a little bit more of a dense area. And so I can imagine, you know, the retail will reflect that as well. Absolutely. No, for sure. So 
One of the things I'm kind of curious about, and, and this is something that, you know, I, like I had mentioned to you, I had attended the, the CRE Tech Conference last year. You mm -hmm. were having to be a speaker there uh, this year as well. Um, it, it is a pretty robust conference with a lot of people that, that attend that talk about different technologies that are coming down the pike for, for commercial real estate. But one of the things that, you know, is kind of a common theme, it seems like, is that commercial real estate as an industry has not been as active as far as the technology adoption. Mm -hmm. When compared to other industries, but nowadays it's, I feel like it's becoming a lot more prevalent in people's decision-making process. And mm -hmm. I guess one of the things that I'm kind of curious about is how have you managed as far as, you know, working with new users and trying to get them to realize what the value proposition is for that you're offering. So, well, you know, I think that it's really changing rapidly. You know, that's something that I've observed. When I first started at Logic almost two years ago, I think the industry was in a different place than it is even today. And I think part of that is, you know, the restrictions we've had on travel or, you know, just our, our the need for data has become uh, more real because you need to use data to augment things that just weren't possible at the time. You know, I think we've gotten a little bit more comfortable with that. Um, I think the speed that some of these transactions have happened with over the last couple of years, especially on the residential side, has really um, increased the need for data because otherwise you're going to lose out on the deal, you know, mm -hmm. over the last couple of years. I think the other piece of it is right now, as we sort of get into this um, place of a little bit more uncertainty economically, that only increases the need for data. If people are looking for, and I think investors are demanding more data be used. So when you're going to your investment committee, um, it can't just be that you have this, you know, personal experience or feeling that this location is going to be the right one. You need to actually back that up with a lot of data. And so for us, it's been um, just seeing, you know, a lot of momentum building in the industry and, and therefore the adoption of the kinds of insights that we have. Um, but I think it's also you know, I think the industry is sort of um, learning to adopt technology. There's certain parts of um, prop tech that have been maybe a little bit more palatable, like on the building operations side or the tenant experience side. And so as investors and landlords and these, and these owner operators sort of start to get more comfortable with those types of solutions, then they can start to wrap their mind around, you know, expanding further out into that whole decision-making process. No, for sure. No, and 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 you had mentioned on the institutional front, it's just becoming a much more competitive in, in a variety of different markets across mm -hmm. the nation. And so, you know, speed is king. And if you're able to make decisions supported by the data, uh, yeah. obviously that can, can create that competitive edge. And, and you had mentioned in our current environment, it is very much a, a tumultuous time. Uh, you know, as we're recording this, we're near the end of 2022. So, you know, being able to make sure that you, when you pull back the arrow, you feel pretty secure in what your your decision making process is. That obviously is augmented by the fact that you have the data to kind of ju justify what you're going to be doing. As mm -hmm. far as predictive, and then I don't know if this is something you guys are are also working with, like predictive uh, analytics or mm -hmm. artificial intelligence to kind of predict what future trends are going to look like. I guess has that been something that you guys have also worked on or or planning to work on in the in the near future? We, we have done this on <clears throat> some more one-off bases for, for larger REITs mm -hmm. um, that's really based in our roots as urban planners at the company, mm -hmm. um, really understanding how 
clusters of, of different sort of location characteristics can be replicated. You know, if you have, let's say, a shopping mall that looks like X, Y, and Z in this, you know, submarket, you can then go look at other places that have sort of developed or aspirationally um, developed as you want this area to be repositioned, maybe add multifamily, you know, what is this going to look like? And you can start to understand how that location will change over time based on other areas that you've mapped out using the data. We have not productized that yet. Sure. Um, the first thing that we're doing sort of in our roadmap is really exposing historic trends over time, because that's that's really the first step to being able to predict, even though things aren't, you know, just a straight line continuation of what's happened historically. It's really, but I think what's really important is to say that, that it's not a straight line continuation. I mean, mm -hmm. if anything, um, it, it, there are so many different factors when you think about the ecosystem of place. And that's why the cluster mapping, the cluster um, analysis is so interesting because you start to see all these different pieces working together. You can't just look at, um, you know, coffee shops going in. Oh, there's more coffee shops. This area is going up. There's all these other factors. And I think that right now, a lot of times in commercial real estate, um, people are, are chasing, you know, the Whole Foods or the Starbucks. But the reality is there was a whole slew of data telling you that they were going to go in there, um, that you could have been on the front end of that instead of chasing it. So I think that we're going to get there, you know, in a bigger way in the industry, but we're just kind of at the beginning, as you said. Oh, absolutely. And and again, like you said, you, you, you need to build the infrastructure to be able to do that because over time you can refine the models to be able to be a little bit more, you know, uh, effective as far as predictive is concerned. But, but the whole reason for, you know, the industry as a whole is the people willing to take risk because in, inherent, you can't eliminate risk completely. I mean, no. if you could eliminate risk completely, then there's no returns, right? Because everyone right. would just merge in. So of course, you know, all you're trying to do with, with this, this solution is to make sure that you make informed decisions so that you, when you allocate capital to whatever the, the, the project is that you have a reasonable uh, understanding of what you're getting into. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So one of the questions I had for you is, is you know, obviously this company that you, you're part of has been growing over the last several years and, and you do have very, um, you know, I, I believe I read on your on the LinkedIn that you guys have gone through a series of, of capital raising as well to be able to expand the, the, the corporation. Like what, what are some of the goals for the, the company long term? And, and I guess if you could share your five to 10 year timeline, that'd be great. Well, I think in a startup, you probably never give a 10 year timeline. You no, know, you for sure. Know no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, let's uh, say, let's say a few years, the few years, of course, of course. I think right now, you know, we're wrapping up our series B, which is really, really exciting. And that's congratulations. Just, that's awesome. Thank you. It's, it's really, really exciting because I think we have seen so much momentum, even just in the last few months around um, really using that data analytics, that data science piece of things and helping our clients um, understand sort of the underlying trends that they have in their portfolio that they, they just haven't been able to unlock yet. And I think, you know, we're going to continue to build tools and products around that um, post series B, and we're going to just have so much like more fuel on the fire to do that. But the biggest thing, you know, I mentioned earlier was like, we have been collecting data for the seven years of our existence and to start to really make those historic trends available, I think is going to be such a game changer. We get asked for that all the time. And mm -hmm. so that to be able to do that and to have the resources to do that is going to be like the next really big thing for us. 
That's awesome. No, that's great. Um, and then obviously, you know, you guys have been doing what you've been doing over the last couple of years now. And so it's, it's going to be exciting to see what comes down the pike for you guys. So we're really excited about that front. So yeah. one thing that we typically like to do uh, near the end of our episode actually is to, is to ask our guests to share one of the most impactful books they've ever read. Now it doesn't have to be commercial real estate related. We're all voracious I- readers. So, you know, I, I think it'd be great if you could share, you know, maybe a, a book that, really, really just spoke to you um, and and kind of changed the trajectory of, of your life. One of the most impactful books I read was The the Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Um, it, it's a very basic premise of a book, but you know the idea is that you small, positive, consistent action on every day adds up to huge results. So the mm-hmm. idea that you can you know just do, let's say, write 250 words a day, and over the course of 200 days, you have a 50,000-word book, which is 200 pages. So you finish a book in less than six months. Like that same logic can be applied to anything you approach in life. And, you know, even though you may not see immediate results within a mm-hmm. relatively short time frame, you could, you could achieve a significant amount. So um, that was, that was one for me. I don't know what yours would. Uh, Mine uh, is going to probably go in like a completely different direction. So yeah, of course, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> first, first thought, best thought. Um, I was going to say there's this book called the 11 karmic spaces, um, so awesome. I'm a big, I'm a big yoga nerd as well. Um, and it just basically like gives you all these sort of, um, yoga poses and special breaths that you can do to like work through stressful situations or just kind of, um, find like blissful moments. And I know that's like totally disconnected from everything no, else. It's not, at I all. love that book. So, Oh, yeah. it's not at all. I mean, uh, one of the books that, that, uh, I, I we had Michael Beckerman on the, the podcast several times, mm-hmm. the CEO of, uh, of, uh, CRE tech. And one of the books that he recommended was the man's search for meaning, uh, okay. which is a yeah, phenomenal book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that was one of the more impactful books that I've ever read in my life as well. Just the, the concept that, you know, we can make through, we, we can make it through just about anything if we set our mind to it, you know, it's, there's, there's people out there that have very difficult times in life and, you know, they're able to work through it because they have a positivity about the way they approach it day to day. So, Absolutely. you know, I, I think, I think these types of books, a lot of times, even unrelated to commercial real estate are the ones that really make an impact on the way you approach anything, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, technology as a developer or commercial real estate brokerage, or, you know, any type of other function within the industry, you know, it's, it's more about what is, who are you as a person, your character, how do you operate on a day to day? And then you can apply that now to whatever profession you decide to pursue. So exactly. It's just tools for how you show up in life. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of cool to be able to share that. I, I do a lot of reading um on things like that. And, you know, that's my fun thing to do. So oh yeah. No, I mean I'm <laughs> I'm a, I'm an I'm an avid reader as well. And I like all different types of books. I read biographies, I read obviously in commercial real estate specific books. I've read a lot of consumer you know, thought process books. So like, um, where it was, why we buy, you know, have you mm. read that book? No, Phenomenal. I have not read yeah, that yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's Paco Underhill is the, is the gentleman's name. It's, it's probably, it's, it's like the, the Bible for uh, consumer decision-making and mm. mainly, mainly related to retail. So, you know, why do people make these decisions in a retail perspective and how has retail evolved to kind of adopt those consumer trends or, or modify their, you know, the way they lay out things in a, in a, in a room, or maybe the way that they position something in, in a store to make sure that it's, that it is the most effective as possible. And so I was going to say my, okay. So favorite sort of autobiography is mm-hmm. just kids by Patty Smith. Cause okay. she goes through like basically being in New York in like the early seventies. And it's like, mm-hmm. 
it's just so cool. To, you feel like you're there experiencing mm-hmm. all that with like the whole art scene. So that would that's be awesome. I'm going to add that one too to my list. That one's list. really good. <laughs> I'm going to add it to my list. So I'll, I have a, I have an audible credit now, so I'm going to go ahead and, and, and mm-hmm. download it and, and get to that. So I appreciate that. Well, Sarah, we greatly appreciate your time. I know you're extremely busy and we're really thankful that we were able to learn a little bit more about what you do and your background. And I, I know that you guys are going to be, you know, a big name going forward. And I'm excited to see how you guys are going to be implementing this across the nation. One of the things that we typically do at the end of our podcast episode is we like to have something, uh, some, our guests contribute something to what we call the commercial real estate treasure chest. It's a repository mm-hmm. of resources that we make available to our audience. And, you know, typically people have contributed helpful PDFs, Excel sheets, really anything that they feel would give value to the audience. So if, if, you, if you're, if you're willing to, what are you willing to contribute today? Um, I think that we are absolutely willing to contribute something. I was thinking about, um, we did this really great white paper on understanding the scope three emissions impacts of what you build where um, and mm-hmm. how you program space. And to me, that's like a, a great example of local logic's desire to use data to actually create more sustainable, better cities. So mm-hmm. I think that'd be a good thing to share. Oh, that'd be awesome. No, I would mm-hmm. greatly appreciate that. And and that actually leads me to something else. We had interviewed uh, Martha Wine. Weisberg, she's out, out of yeah. uh, Denver and she, mm-hmm. she runs uh, art.io, I believe. And they, she does art for cities. She's massive developers, contract her, and she does like all these different art projects around the cities across mm-hmm. the nation. And they incorporate, you know, not only the art, but also make it into an eco-friendly, you know, so they, they incorporate both equal, the, the eco side of Very things cool. as well as the, the, the art as well. So it was, it was very in, 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 insightful. So you get to talk to lots of cool people. Oh yeah. That, that's part of the reason, the, the benefit of the podcast, you get to inter- interview people like you across the nation that are doing really big things and awesome things. And, you know, it's part of also being able to keep in touch with people over time. Cause that's Absolutely. also a part of the network. So, well, Sarah, we greatly appreciate your time. So if people want to learn more about local logic, get in touch with you, maybe they're brokers, uh, you know, in, in, in areas across the nation, Mm-hmm. To, that want to learn more about what the offering is, or maybe development managers for different companies. What how, What's the best way to do that? What What's the best way to, for them to get in contact? Uh, my email is sara mm-hmm. at locallogic.co or our website, locallogic.co. Great place to start. Absolutely. And, and, and I guess as far as the, the, the solution is concerned, who would, who would be a best fit for uh, what you guys are offering? I think that'd be great for you to specify. You know, um, we are often working with uh, investment sales teams. We're working with uh, larger developers, investors. Um, we've been typically working more with like multifamily, single family rental. Um, but because we are asset class agnostic, I mean, I think a lot of people, this is starting to really resonate on the office side as well. So I'm happy to explore all those options. Awesome. Well, Sarah, again, we greatly appreciate your time. Uh, It really has been impactful. Uh, We're going to go ahead and include Sarah's uh, contact information in the show notes below. So if you guys are watching this on YouTube, feel free to access that below. And if you guys are listening to this in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, it'll also be in the description below as well. So thank you all so much for stopping by. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, we would greatly appreciate it if you can like and subscribe. If you guys are watching this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, we'd greatly appreciate a five-star review. It makes a huge impact in our ability to reach a broader audience. And we thank you so much. So thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you all next time.